yeah, super chilled, super chilled. Um, I don't know if you've like listened to any of our other podcasts, but I have, yes. It's just more of a casual conversation. But if you need to take a break at any point, like just take a break. I think we are diving into some really deep, deep things. So if I do just lose my trail of thought for like one second, just give me, give me a bit of time. I should be back on. No, no that's fine. <laughs> Even if you like take some like time to think or whatever, we cut out that. That's, that's time amazing. in like the edit so it doesn't come across like that perfect perfect hello 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 and welcome to another episode of third wheel i'm one of your hosts aaron and i'm your other host hamish and today we're joined by a call out from krishna's episode a little while ago mohit how are you doing mohit i am doing great guys thank you for having me on the podcast you guys are honestly smashing it with this podcast Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And anyone else, anyone new listening, go check us out on all socials. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All the links will be in the description. Go give us a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, etc. We release some clips on YouTube and all that. So, and also subscribe to our channel on YouTube. So, Jeez. all that good stuff. Anything, Hamish? <laughs> no, you got it all there. I thought you were going to miss something, but you got it. No, no, no. I could see. I was looking at you. Like, <laughs> but yeah, so me and you haven't actually met, Mohit. No, we haven't. No, but you and Hamish know each other. Yeah. Yes, I uh, one of the first guys that I met when I came to university outside my course was was Hamish. Oh wait, what? I was wait the first person. Outside yes, the course? yes. So I came to Hindusov during the first, I think, week of, uh, during Freshers' Week, and that's when I first first met you. I remember we had an interesting conversation. You done computer science. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I remember that. I remember. <laughs> that's what, what I remember. What was your first impression of him? First impression, I can't even remember to be honest. Um, he was a very yeah, nice guy, a very friendly guy, <laughs> very approachable. Mo, Mo oh, picked the most antisocial person there, and I just went, went to them. That's what happened. So, what did you say, Hindi sock? Uh, yeah. Yes, Hindi sock. Also, which year did you start? Because so said, I um, started in 2017. I only okay. I was only there for one year. I done my masters at WMG, and before that, oh, I was yeah. at Hertfordshire University, where I done mechanical engineering. Oh, so you only worried for one year? Yeah, yeah, I was only there for one year. <laughs> Oh, mad. I'm sorry you had to meet Hamish in that year. Yeah, I was thinking... Yeah, like it, all, it felt like a very long time, to be honest, that one year. But um, yeah, I was only there for one year. <laughs> in yeah. a good way, in a good way. What, what was better, half a share of Warwick? I believe it was Warwick. Warwick, I was at that place where I kind of understood how to work and how to be productive. And at the same time, I... I knew how to have have a good time as well, so it was it was definitely right. Yeah, if you said half a show, I just would have cut out. <laughs> <laughs> just stitched to the clever you saying Warwick. No, that's cool. I, th- I think every uh, every most guests that we have on that has met Hamish or not me, it's like where have you met? It's like Hindu stock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's just the, the social space. But yeah, what did you you said you did the masters at Warwick? Yeah, yeah. WMG. So I done uh, manufacturing systems engineering in Warwick manufacturing. Oh, yeah, the WMG building. The one with the good food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The nicer building of Warwick. <laughs> so what did you do for your bachelor's? I had a mechanical engineer. So it was a lot more, I think, a lot more technical and a lot more broad. And then I kind of specialised into manufacturing systems engineering. And that was my master's. I was going to ask you, yeah, you know the WMG building where they had those cars, those, they had like the race cars and everything. Did you ever go into that place and do those? work on those things or was that something else the electric one the thing is a lot of uh, research happens at wmg yeah. so like jaguar Aston martin all of these companies are there doing their automotive research and they're trying to make country like the new hub for the automotive industry the new research hub and that's why you have a lot of very nice cars uh, nice buildings and a lot of professionals as well walking around but no i didn't get to do that unfortunately <laughs> i just got the views that's it yeah awesome does that kind of lead into like what you're doing now 
Ah, uh, yes. So I right now I'm working in the aerospace industry. I'm working for a company called Safran Group. And when I was at university, when I was doing mechanical engineering, whilst I did like it, I didn't like the technical side of things as much. And when I went over to do an internship in my second year, I was working as a manufacturing engineer. And I found that it's like the link between the technical side of engineering and the business side. And it's like taking a design and making it into a product in the most cost-effective way possible. And that's why I ended up doing manufacturing systems engineering. So I started off at Peugeot Group, and then I went to Safran Group, and I'm working there right now as a manufacturing engineer. Awesome. So you said like you didn't enjoy the technical side. Did you say there was a technical and business side? They're the two kind of Yeah, so the technical side of engineering is more so, or it could be more so sitting down, drawing designs, doing computational fluid dynamics, that sort of stuff. But I like to get up, talk to people. And that was kind of my interest from the very start, as well as the business processes. I did really enjoy enjoy learning about that. And again, that was that was more so manufacturing engineering. We do have an idea of the design and the technical side, but you're also in the most of the operations side of things as well. And the whole plan was that I didn't want to just be restricted to the to the manufacturing industry. I wanted to go elsewhere as well, like, for example, working for Amazon or the service sector or something like that. And I can do that with, with a degree that I have. Yeah. For those unfamiliar, what is the aerospace industry? The aerospace, oh, <laughs> aircraft, aircraft. They make planes, basically. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, when you were a kid, I swear we used to call them aeroplanes. What happened to that? Like, how did that happen? Turn into airplanes? We do call I, it. I have no idea. Airplanes. I still kind of call it aeroplanes sometimes. I guess that's what we did when we were really young. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was just so dumb. Like, when I was a kid, I was like calling it aeroplanes. I, I just, I, I call them both. Yeah. Is that something you always thought, like wanted to do? I wouldn't say I've always wanted to do it. As I said, I started in the automotive industry and what I wanted to do was be a manufacturing engineer. And the role of a manufacturing engineer, it's quite similar across different industries. There are some differences, like for example, the company that I'm at right now, it's a bit less stressful compared to the automotive industry, which is a a positive, but it's a lot more regulated. I'm sure you can imagine everything needs to go through signatures, everything needs to go through approval loops, and, and rightfully so, because so many people get inside an aircraft at one point. But being in the aerospace industry just learning about kind of the beauty of the engineering that goes behind these products it's 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 incredible like one thing we make we make generators for for the aircraft so i won't get too technical but how how these (laughs) what these generators do is they convert mechanical energy into electrical energy and the, the way it works is there's basically a stator which is stationary and you have a rotor inside the stator and that spins around and the rotor and the stator have to be as close as possible for magnetic flux to mm. really work and for that rotor to really spin. So this rotor spins at 29,000 times every minute, which is like 500 times a second if I'm getting my maths right, which is a lot, right? So if you if you oh, yeah, imagine, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot, but if you imagine like, let's say the rotation of something goes off, if that happens, then the stator and the rotor can collide. And if that happens, that could be disastrous for the for the airplane. I'm not trying to skate. That doesn't happen. That's the... <laughs> Yeah. Don't worry, I was scared a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't happen. Like all of these technologies, all of these uh, components in, in the aerospace, they all have to come together in such a beautiful way for that aircraft to work. And gold is the aerospace, you learn about this and you just really appreciate the engineering that goes behind it. And apart from that, there's a lot of interesting things happening in the aerospace industry right now as well. Like they're trying to electrify aircraft, so they're trying to make an all electric aircraft. And it's still going to be a very long time, like 20 to 50 years 
especially for large aircrafts like the A380. Plus, there's flying taxis as well. Safran are working with Boeing on trying to get these uh, flying taxis, uh, the prototype of these flying taxis out there. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> I was going to say, I remember when I was going to visit Aaron in San Francisco, yeah. Yeah. Me and Baxter were on the plane and they tell us the plane is going to be held back a short while. Whilst we were sitting on it, we sat down, all, everyone's all like seatbelted up and they tell us oh, there's currently a fault with the plane. So we're just getting the engineers to have a quick look oh, at wow. it. I'm like, no, 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 I can't be going to. I'm not dying on the way. <laughs> so to you are in the air, right? You are. No, no, we, we, we were about to take off. And then the okay, that's okay. <laughs> I was just like, no, nah, nah, nah. I'm letting back to it like. We're going to see Aaron, and you're telling me we're, we're risking our lives like this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I asked them like mid-flight because I was waiting for them to sit because we were basically right next to the fire exit. So they, the people, you know, what do you call them? The people that walk in the airplane, those uh, flight attendants, walkways. Yeah, the flight crew. Yeah. The, oh, the flight, flight crew. crew. Yeah. Yeah. So since they basically sat right in front of us, I uh-huh. asked them that, what was the fault? Yeah. And I guess they were trying not to scare others. They were like, there was just a bit of an issue with the landing gear. Like they played, they said it was like nothing. I was just like. I mean, that's a big issue as far as I'm concerned. That's a big issue, yeah. <laughs> yeah if you can't land. <laughs> I hear a lot of stuff because I'm, I'm not massive. Like, I get on, if I need to like, go on holiday or need to go somewhere, I'll get on the plane. But uh-huh. I'm not like, I'm not like a fan, big fan of them. Is yeah. it like, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, it's actually like safer than like driving a car like, on the road. Yeah. Is that like bullshit or is that kind of true? I don't know the exact stats, but it's very unlikely for you to actually die flying in the plane. It's very, very unlikely. It does happen. I mean, as I said, these these systems are so complicated that something can go wrong. But because of the amount of regulations that govern the industry, it really, really happens. And we see examples like on TV, aircraft investigations or something. It's just one in like one in so many that yeah. go through this this process where there's a disaster that happens. Yeah. I don't know if that makes me feel better, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's because, yeah, what you're saying is like, there's so many rules and everything that every single test and every single thing that passes. You know how your code here, like you write, Aaron, you have to write tests and stuff. There's like hundreds of other layers before it even gets allowed to exactly. put actual exactly. people in it. Yeah, yeah, but my yeah. code, like... Your code is shit, if, man, don't... If, <laughs> if, if my, yeah, yeah, exactly. If, if my website breaks, it isn't killing anyone, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, no one's dying from it. No, but what if you write a code for the aerospace industry? What if you write a code for the aircraft? It's a ripped on grand aircraft. <laughs> yeah, just don't employ me, you know, <laughs> Whoever, whoever's out there. We'll make it look nice, but, but it's a ripped on <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give a nice error message, but... But no, let's, let's, uh, yeah, let's move on a bit. Let's go back to, like, uni. So, like, for people that don't know, we, like, prepare, like, the episode. We have, like, a few notes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, one thing you pointed out in particular was KCSOC yeah. and your involvement with them. First of all, what what is, I, I don't think I've heard of KCSOC. What is that? So KCSOC is the Krishna Consciousness Society. Okay. It is part of the ISKCON movement, the International Society of Krishna Consciousness. It's based on the Bhagavad Gita. And the Bhagavad Gita, its principles have uh, long been popularized in the Western world. But now it's the book as a whole as well. It's becoming more and more popular in the Western world. What, what was that is, you said? You said like Parma Gita? The Bhagavad Gita, yeah. The Bhagavad Gita, um, yeah, it's one of the one of the most popular religious books for Hindus. It's a very, very old book. I, I googled it yesterday, actually. I was just wondering. I know it was very old, but they say it's over 5,000 years old. And what it basically entails is Krishna, a descendant of Lord Vishnu. He gives his disciple Arjuna um, spiritual wisdom during the Battle of Kurukshetra. It's a very small part of the Mahabharata. And what it does is it answers the major questions that we have about life and existence. 
So that's basically a summary of it. And it's been making incredible, incredible people for thousands of years now. And the movement, as I said, it's, it's picked up a lot in the Western world since ISKCON was founded. Okay, were you like heavily involved in it? Yes. Yeah, so I come from a Hindu Brahmin family and religion or spirituality. So I'm going to use these words interchangeably for now. I do want to get into the difference yeah. between the two. But they were always the center of everything that we did. So, for example, I went to New York a few years ago uh, with my family. And in the six days that we were in New York, we went to three different wonders, right? <laughs> On top of that, we, I was always a very deep thinker. And I liked asking the bigger questions of life. And I'd done this as a way, I wanted to use it as a way to gain more success in my life, but also more happiness and fulfillment in my life. Coming back to your question, Casey Sok, it's the kind of events that you that you have, they're very applicable to your everyday life. It's not like the traditional religious societies that you have on campus. Like, for example, Hindusok, a lot of people just go to Hindusok to meet people that grew up in a similar household to them. And to be honest, a lot of guys just go to check out goes, I said it, I said it, I take no, it no, back. I'm, no, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because that is true. That is true. And not for yeah. myself, but I, I know that's true. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, mate, sure. No, no, no. Well, Everyone no, knows. Gonna shoot no, me. Okay, no, no. Aaron, if that wasn't true, why, why, why would I stay for the talk? <laughs> because then, because <laughs> you realise they're all taken, so you're like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, but with Casey Sock, it's a lot more applicable to our everyday lives. Like the kind of events that you have is what would you do if you had 25 hours to live? So it really gets you thinking that if I had 24 hours, what really fulfills me? What makes me happy? Emotional intelligence. It's about self-love, love versus lust, uh, meditation sessions. So all of these things that are very, very applicable to, to, our, to our everyday lives. What would you do if you had 24 hours to live? What would I do? <laughs> I always struggle to answer this question, to be honest. But I'll probably try and find a way to live longer. <laughs> what about you guys? <laughs> Um, I guess I'll go for that. Um, I would just make sure that um, any of the savings and stuff I get properly transferred to my brother, that, that money from the life insurance and everything will smoothly go on to them. Yeah. Because obviously then it's going to be a hassle for them to get the money that they obviously need from life insurance. <laughs> I'd rather make sure it goes as smoothly as possible for them. And yeah, then yeah. hopefully that's it. But yeah, man, I recommend, I recommend anyone, anyone that's at university to definitely check the, check the society out. It is an incredible tool, the kind of stuff that you learn for self-improvement and I feel like everyone should to a certain degree have a self-improvement mindset right and and one one aspect of it is it's there to nourish your spiritual body right you have you have four main bodies you have your physical body you have your mental body you have your emotional body which is like the link between the physical and the mental and then you have a spiritual body and all of these are very interlinked with each other and what Casey Sock is well parts of it nourish all, all the bodies that you have but it's it's a spiritual society. It's there to give you the tools to nourish your spiritual body. Oh, wait, Aaron, before we carry on, Aaron, what would you do in your last twenty four hours? To be honest, when I first asked you this question, I was I was automatically thought like twenty four hours is in the world was ending in twenty four hours. So like anyone, oh, everyone okay, had twenty four okay, hours. No, no, I but if it's it. just myself, uh, <laughs> what would I do? Twenty four hours. <laughs> I'll just try and I'll just try and like meet everyone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or maybe just organize like a big. I'll just get all my friends together and be like, oh yeah. Smack tonight, yeah. Smack. <laughs> <laughs> what you just drop halfway through the queue, like you don't even get into smack. I'll just be like, look, I got twenty four hours to live. Just let me in. <laughs> no, not smack. That's that's dead. Somewhere else, I don't know. Old Trafford. Go go see the boys. I don't know. You could try try walk up to the village where the Man United players live, and then you could die in the center of it. That's that's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll just probably try and like meet everyone. Uh, 
I want to see you before I die. Do you know what I mean? Super cute. Yeah. See, that's nice. That's a nice. That's a nice. Uh, yeah. A nice thing. But it would be a bit awkward, and I'm just like, yo, uh, yeah. By the way, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> well, the panic you'd send everyone in when you just collapsed there, and we're like, what the fuck just happened to this guy? <laughs> no, I, I, I made sure I wouldn't die like in front of them. Hopefully. But yeah, or I would be like quite stubborn about it and be like, okay, no, I'm not dying. Like, take me to the hospital, figure it out, like, or freeze me. I saw. <laughs> you mean cry, you know, like cryo, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was um, therapy you know, or something, right? That technology is not like perfected for you to be. Yeah, yeah, I know. But like, I saw it was actually Bazinga, Ethan Payne. I don't know if you know who that, who that is, mate, but um, like some YouTuber. And I was doing some reaction video and somebody. Something happened. Someone survived. They were, whatever. I'm waffling. Anyway, he was asking the question like, if you could, if you had a choice to freeze yourself now, basically, like this technology was perfected, and you could then defrost or whatever they say, unfreeze in like a hundred years time, would you do it? Because then you could see like the future almost. Like at least chance. one person I know that did it because it was on the news a few years ago. So basically, this girl had a condition that couldn't be treated in our age, and realistically, the the cure for it or the fix for it was was going to be developed for probably at least twenty to fifty years or something. So they let her with the parents' permission and her permission. Well, obviously, she wanted to do it, and then her parents gave permission and the boards gave permission, and then they let her actually be cryogenically frozen. Um, and but they don't know if she'll, if they can even bring her back to life the correct way like they, they'll obviously try but the technology isn't perfected and there's no guarantee even after she wakes up from the cryo freeze but how would that like biologically work how are you how are you going to function i think they replace your blood with some anti-blood freeze thing and then they replace your brain with some um, equivalent um liquid inside it and then yeah. they then they fill you up in a liquid and then they literally slowly freeze you they basically take you down to like I don't know. Basically, they have to put antifreeze things so your blood doesn't fuck up because your blood can't actually be frozen. Okay, probably. like that stuff you put in the window of your cars. No, not like that. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but um, let's say, let's say, let's forget about the science. Let's just say it works. Would I do it? No. Like, say, say, not right now because we're quite young. But like, saying you've lived your life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, just let me go out. Just let me go out. <laughs> but like, you have a chance to like just see what it's like in like twenty one fifty six. I'd rather do you know put I mean? my mind in a computer so that it can live in a computer. Like an AI. So my mind lives on, but... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but that's some messed up Black Mirror stuff. So you're basically just going to be like a Google or Alexa or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I can roam freely wherever I want. Okay. I don't know how that would work. Because I can also then create a simulation and live in paradise. Okay. My, my, I think my answer might also be like, nah, just let me die. But I don't know if I'd be like, okay, take my brain away and like, <laughs> use it or whatever. I don't know. To be fair though, I'm dead. So like, do what you want. What about you, Mohit? I I don't know. I honestly <laughs> don't know. I think paradise is right here, right now. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like once COVID is over, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we weave tension a bit. Yeah. Um, regarding like religion versus spirituality, like uh-huh. some people will define it, I guess, to be kind of like the same thing. Or you're like spiritual yeah. if you're religious. Yeah. So, what would you say like the differences are between religion and spirituality? Yes. So I actually wanted to ask you guys this. What do you? What do you? What do you think? I don't. I don't really understand much about spirituality, but I think like they they are two different concepts, and because religion yeah. is like a set of things that are written mm. somewhere and then interpreted and passed down, and then yeah. you can either follow those or you don't. Yeah. And then spirituality, I think, is trying. From my understanding, is trying to like I don't know how to say it, but be, like be one with yourself, trying to be more like yeah. I don't know, like yeah. find that center of bliss or whatever it is. I don't know how to really word it. That's yeah. what my understanding is, but I'm not 
Um, I barely sense, know yeah. anything. Well, we had a guy called Ambrose on the podcast um, a little mm-hmm. while back. We touched on religion a tiny bit, but we mainly talked about spirituality. And the main kind of, I don't know if this is the same, I don't know if they're like different types of spirituality, but this one was kind of, talk, we were talking about like out-of-body experiences a lot. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's like part that. of it. Okay. But yeah, before that, I probably would have linked them quite closely together. Yeah. Not out of like knowledge or anything, just like, yeah, I don't know, just like believing in something kind of thing, like the whole concept of Makes believing sense. in something great. For me to define spirituality, depending on your experience with it, you might interpret it in different ways. But the way I like to define it is it's a connection with yourself. It's a connection with God. If you're not comfortable with the word God, then the connection to the universe and a connection that we all have with each other. Now, spirituality, it's we are all spiritual beings, right? And, and the best way to that I found to explain the importance of spirituality in our lives is imagine, imagine making a building or building a building on, on, on mud or on sand with a weak foundation. Now, let's say there's a storm that comes into your life, that building will collapse, right? Because it doesn't have a strong foundation. But now let's say you make the same building on concrete with a strong foundation. Any storm that comes into your life, the building might sway from side to side, but it will stay intact and it won't collapse. And this is the idea of spirituality, that you need to try and find peace and happiness within yourself. And once you find more peace and happiness or happiness and fulfillment within yourself, then you stop trying to find it outside. And it's when expectation doesn't meet reality that, you know, there's a problem and we become become upset. So the one like point that I want to kind of hammer home today is you don't need to be of a specific religion to nourish your spiritual body. So. You know, like whenever we we say religion or God, a lot of people, I don't know, the, the way society is now, they just run away from it, right? <laughs> and we've come to a point as a society, we see religion, we see God, and we, we don't really like the concept. And, and religion is not the problem. It's the misinterpretation of religion by, by everyone. So the, the point that I want to I wanna make is that you don't specifically have to be of a specific religion to start nourishing your spiritual body you could take very small steps to start start the process right so for example i know so many people that have this really strong foundation that i keep talking about that are not of a specific religion anyways i'm going on for a bit of a tangent right um the difference between spirituality and religion so yeah i agree that they, they are both the same thing in essence what religion truly is it's the same as spirituality when the rituals of religion are done with spirit behind them it becomes spirituality, right? So, you know, it's become a fashionable thing now where you see a lot of people write or, or say that I am spiritual, but I am not religious. And I kind of understand where that's coming from because, as I said, there's this, this misinterpretation of religion. It's like, I, I don't, people are like, I don't want to do all of these rituals and I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just doing it for the sake of doing it. It's a mere ritual. There's no spirit behind it. So Gor Gopal Das, uh, someone that's quite high up in ISKCON, so Casey's talking about ISKCON, as I said before, but he explained it very well. There's a question that's often, often asked that what is, why are there so many rituals in religion, right? Especially Hinduism has so many rituals. And it's not only 
in religion that we have so many rituals. It's in life as well that we have so many rituals. For example, you sing happy birthday to someone on their birthday to make them feel special on that day, or you give a rose to a woman on Valentine's Day. I'm not sure if that still happens, by the way. But you give a <laughs> you give a rose to a woman on Valentine's Day to express your love for her. But now let's say you go to go to your girl, go to a woman, and you tell her that I love you, but you're just saying it like it's yeah. You don't really have anything behind it. So it becomes a mere ritual, right? But now let's say you have a deep sense of affection behind the three words, I love you. Abish, I see your face. <laughs> I love you, brother. <laughs> no, but um He's thinking of all them girls, you know. <laughs> if you if you have that spirit behind the three words, I love you, then it becomes spiritual. Now, do you see how that works? Like spirit, SPI, ritual, spiritual, right? Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. So the idea behind this is we need to ask the questions that why do we do these rituals in religion? Why do we do that? And we are generally ignorant of, of the reasons behind it, but we just follow it. And it needs to be more of a effort by people that are teachers in religion and to a certain degree, our elders as well, for them to actually explain to us why we do these certain rituals. And then if you do these rituals with spirit behind it, these religious rituals, it automatically become spiritual. Also, what is ISKCON as well? ISKCON is... ISKCON is the, uh, it's the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Okay. Uh, it was founded by uh, Prabhupada in the 70s. Um, so at the time, I believe he was in his 70s and he went to New York and he was told by his guru to give the words of wisdom in the Bhagavad Gita to the Western world. And it's basically the movement that started then and has become more and more popular ever since. Okay. Now back to the thing where you said about the rituals and so on. So like the thing uh-huh. is yeah, like in Hinduism there obviously there's so many different rituals, but each like different part of India, for example, would do a di- the yeah. ritual in a different way. Uh-huh. And obviously that's down to interpretation and how it was passed down. Yeah. So like do they still accomplish the same thing? Like Yes. So the the rituals that you that you do, no matter what religion you come from, mm-hmm. they all are meant to nourish your spiritual body. That's the main aim behind behind all of it. Um, so, as I said, whether you're Hindu, whether you're Christian, whether you're Muslim, Buddhist, Sikh, you can nourish your your spiritual body by doing the rituals in, in each of these religions. If you're not religious, there's other ways to nourish your spiritual body. So, yeah, there are many ways to do it, and and these rituals are kind of passed down generations, and it teaches them, it teaches us how to how to go about it. It's like any, any, there's different rituals in different countries, right? India might have a different ritual in, in terms of um, society, like singing happy birthday. I'm sure that's a ritual everywhere, but um, it, it's very similar to that. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier as well, like how you have like four different bodies, uh-huh. it was physical one, mental one, spiritual one, and emotional one. Yeah. Can we go through like each of them? Yeah. So the physical body is obviously it's your physical body right here that you can touch. Your mental body is your mind through which you learn things, through which you gain experiences. Your emotional body, as I said, it's a link between the two. The best way I like to explain this is imagine if you, so when it comes to stress, when you're stressed out, some triggers might stress you out even more compared to other triggers. And at times we don't need to be stressed or anxious about something, but we still are. And that's basically part of the emotional body, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
And the spiritual body is something a lot deeper. It's often we don't we don't think about the spiritual body as much, but it is a foundation to our lives, as I mentioned. But as I said, we are all spiritual beings and it's that connection that we have with ourselves. I was also going to say, like I saw yesterday, like there was like, because my parents watch obviously the religious TV shows. There was a bit in the middle where I just kind of looked and I was reading the subtitles and it was like, unsatisfaction can like lead to jealousy and so but when one is like content with themselves yeah like they were showing like two small different villages when the gods took form and blah 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 was visiting but these lot are content with themselves so like they'll be happy um yeah. they don't look for any other external factors or so but in this case this other village they're unsatisfied so that leads to them being jealous of others and then trying they will never properly find happiness and so on. So it's a, it's a, it's a difficult process, right? To, <laughs> to completely find peace and fulfillment and happiness within yourself. I recently, I listened to a podcast by a person called Radhanath Swami. And Radhanath Swami is quite high up in ISKCON as, as well. And he has an incredible story. In the 1960s, he grew up in Chicago in the 1960s. In the 1970s, he left to gain spiritual awakening. And in that time, he was only 20 years old. When he was in Greece, he walked all the way, well, he hitchhiked all the way to India from Greece. And he talks about this this story in a a book called The Journey Within. It's a New York Times bestseller. I recommend it to to anyone. I actually had to read it myself as well. But Radhanath Swami came up with three main ways that we can nourish our spiritual body. And it is very, very tangible. And when I saw this, whenever I looked at religion or spirituality, I was always so overwhelmed. I'm like, there's so much going on. As we earlier spoke, it's, there's so much, there's so many ways that people have defined, but everything kind of falls into these three main things. So similar to how uh, we nourish our physical body, we would eat good food or we would work out to nourish our mind. We would learn something new. We would do our degrees. Similarly, we had to nourish our spiritual body as well. And the three things that he said, uh, number one, it's the friends that you have. You want friends that uh, inspire you, that uplift you. As an example, if uh, if you want to, if someone wants to quit alcohol, they'll join an alcohol group and quitting becomes so much easier, right? Mm-hmm. So the kind of people that you are around, it does really impact you. Number two, it's your spiritual practice. So again, whatever religion you're part of, if you're not religious or if you're not part of a religion, then it could be the practice of meditation. There's so many proven benefits to meditation. It could be reading books. I recommend this to anyone and these are self-improvement books. They don't generally have to be spiritual books. It could be something like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, but it really helped me grow my spiritual foundation. And number three, it would be service. So I know a lot of people have come to your podcast to talk about the charities that they're part of, and it's so incredible to to learn right but yeah it's it's the charities that you're or the service that you do through these charities uh, it's living life with integrity living life with compassion and kindness for other other beings so yeah it's very tangible and once you start doing all of these things things like jealousy or greed or anger they start they start coming down and again you start finding more of that happiness and fulfillment within ourselves and that happiness and fulfillment is something that is is permanent rather than the uh, materialistic things, which is just, it gives you only temporary satisfaction. Kind of answer my question. I was going to ask, yeah. how, can, how can I nourish my spiritual body? Yeah. Like, how, how did you then get into all of this? I think I've always been like this to a certain degree, again, because of the way I was raised. And also, I, I didn't just want to be religious. I, I always say this. I wanted to use it as a tool to gain success in my life and gain more happiness and fulfillment. And that was my aim. That's always been my my aim so it's kind of a way of self-improvement but the more i get into it the more i kind of 
find ways to gain more more happiness from from your spirit yeah have you found like it's helped you like in particular moments like maybe difficult moments in your life or I, I believe so. So when you like get re- rejected from places like after university, once I graduated, it took me, I think, three months. I finished in September, but it took me three or four months to get a job. And at that time, I got rejected left, right, center. Every single company would reject me. I just, in times like this, you start to have a positive attitude, like, oh my God, this interview, I got rejected, but I learned so much. He's such an amazing person. And I can use that to go into the next interview and, and use that knowledge to maybe gain success there. If not, then, there's, then the next thing, the next thing. So in that way, it it has helped me. And it's helped me in many other subtle ways as well. What about Hamish mentioned earlier? Uh-huh. Or maybe you, it was you, like meditation. Yeah. Is that a spiritual thing? Um, yes, it is a spiritual thing. The idea behind meditation, there's so many different forms of meditation, but it is to connect with your spiritual body. A lot of ways that we are currently doing it in the Western world is we are trying to focus on our breath or a certain sound, uh, if it's guided meditation. Mm-hmm. And like this, your focus increases, your concentration increases. And there's a book, um, I recommend this book uh, to, to everyone out there. It's called The Power of Now. And it's the idea that we need to try to stay in the now as much as possible. They say depression happens if you if you if you live in the past. Anxiety happens if you live too much in the future. But if you live in the moment, if you live in the now, which is a very difficult task to do, but um, it can be it can really help us gain a lot of a lot out of every out of every single every single day. Yeah. And that practice as well, it's it's meditation, the practice of mindfulness. It's not just sitting down ten minutes a day and and focus on your breath, but it translates to every moment of your life. So when you're giving a presentation at work, to just really be focused on what they're what they're saying, or even when you're driving to work, to be focused on the road rather than have all of these thoughts in your mind. And that's what mindfulness is. It's being present in every moment. Hey, should you consider yourself a spiritual person? So I guess like this is one of my things about I don't understand spirituality, I guess, fully. So Yeah, because I guess your same Mohit is like we all are, but whether we yeah. kind of yeah, it's like the misconception yeah. of whether we think we are. And... Yeah, so I always said that we are we are all spiritual beings, all of us. And to a certain degree, for example, Hamish, I'm sure helping someone else must make you feel happy, right? And that's because our true nature is to love and to be loved. And that is the only permanent thing that gives fulfillment to the heart. So we all, to a certain degree, do try to nourish our spiritual body, but sometimes it gets masked by other pleasures or other worldly pleasures that we have in, in this life. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Maybe like... Because I, if you asked me that at the beginning of the episode, like I probably would have been like, no, like yeah. not. And then if you probably like asked me a bunch of questions, you'd probably be like, okay, maybe you are a bit spirit. You are kind of. So like, I it's yeah. basically, I'm trying to understand from the definitions that we were given. So like in terms of like, there's a physical, there's mind, there's emotional uh-huh. and then yeah. you said the spirit which nourished by ritual so i guess if back in the day you were going to a temple and just um, going around in the loop and then praying if that counted as nourishing that spiritual self then yes but yeah. then otherwise i wouldn't know i don't think i don't know if i actually do anything it's kind of like it feels you're saying like if there was like meaning behind it or yeah. if you were just like saying words for the sake of saying words exactly if you're saying words for the sake of it it doesn't have as big of an impact as you would like it to have but again, like as I said, spirituality, it doesn't just have to be praying to God. It's it's so many different things that we do that I'm sure everyone does to, to build that strong foundation within. Say say if you're like an atheist, uh-huh. how would someone be spiritual? 
So again, referring back to the three points made by Radhanath Swami, it's the friends that you have, have people that uplift you, that inspire you. Number two, it's the spiritual practice that you have. So whether this be meditation, whether this be reading self-improvement books. And number three, it's a service, helping other people or living life with integrity, character and showing compassion and kindness to to other beings. Yeah. I, th- I think this is a spiritual podcast, you know. <laughs> We're diving deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask as well. There are obviously a lot of apps that help provide meditation slash mindfulness slash uh-huh. spirituality. Wait, we're not sponsored by any Just Kaifa, but if you want to sponsor <laughs> us, do let us know. Hit us up. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, do you use any apps or do you just like read the books regarding it? Um, so when I first started, I used to use Headspace. And that's an incredible app. Right at the start, it kind of guides you through meditation. There's many meditation sessions that you can do on YouTube as well. So, for example, if you have a certain problem that you're trying to tackle in your life, uh, you could say guided meditation for whatever that problem is. Uh, right now, with me, I try to I try to do mantra meditation. And uh, this mantra is called the Hare Krishna mantra. And what it is, it, it goes Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. And the, the words are meant to be of a different transcendental vibration. And that's why it makes it easier for you to connect with your, with yourself. So I'm trying to do that now. I do it in my car in the morning, so on the way to work. And that's not, to be honest, the most effective. Ideally, you want to sit down. I do, th- I do think it's become more of a, I don't say trend, but it's like being spiritual, yeah. like with like meditation. I feel like meditation has become like really popular recently. Definitely, it has, right? We live in such a hectic world right now. There's so much going on. So just taking that time out for ourselves. Yeah, I feel like spirituality and people like exploring that side more has become more evident. I think I think before, maybe that might just come with like us being becoming older. I feel like it might have almost been seen as, if I was in school and I was yeah. like, said I was spiritual and like all that kind of stuff, I probably would have been seen as like a bit of a weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, I was thinking as well. Like, I think one of the things that make it harder to even include, like, a spirituality and like all this. Like, so, one of our friends who's not religious, they see it in a very scientific way and logical way only. So, like, they don't believe in God, etc. But so, like, there has to be some sort of science or something to believe it. So, they wouldn't obviously believe in magic and so on. So, okay, yeah, like I think like maybe like that scientific view or that logical view until if you can only see it in that way. Maybe it makes it a bit more difficult to understand. Uh, yeah, I think I think if people are, do explore the spiritual side and it like helps them, I don't see any uh, yeah harm in it. It's all for the good, right? We got here as well, like kind of your experiences growing up and self love, and you mentioned self improvement as well. Does that kind of tie uh-huh. in with your spiritual side? Yeah, that's uh, that's a part of it. Loving ourselves is is very important. To jump into when I was growing up, I'm from I'm from Luton. And whilst I'm from a pretty nice part of Luton, the school that I ended up going to, it was one of the, it was the roughest school in Luton. My parents were to send me elsewhere, but because my brother and my cousins went to this school and it was very close to me, I somehow convinced me, convinced them that I wanted to go to that school. And they're like, okay, bro, here, if you want to go, go. But if there is um, a problem in the future, you can always change, change schools. So going in the first day, you realize that, hey, this is, uh, this is the real deal, right? So as an example, a lot of people that I went to school with right now, they're in prison for things like drug dealing. Or one guy sat behind me in mats, he got done for assaulting an elderly person in the town centre. One guy got done for burglary again in, in my class for, I think, design technology. And another guy who was in my brother's here, he, he got done for terror charges, right? 
So it wasn't that in college something clicked. I said, hey, I want to be a criminal for the rest of my life. But they had this mentality from the very, very start. So as kids, they were very aggressive, very confrontational. So I don't want to get into all the, all the good stuff, all the day-to-day. <laughs> I was going to say, you and Hamish can relate. Apparently half his school's in prison as well. <laughs> oh, no way. Wow. But you kind of understand why they did what they did to, to a certain degree. You don't accept that. I mean, committing a crime is wrong by, by, in every way. But you understand because a lot of these kids, they've come from very difficult backgrounds. They've come from abusive parents. They've come from broken homes. And when you hear more about their lives, you can't help but be compassionate towards them. And you know, there's a long-standing quote. I believe Mahatma Gandhi said it. And he said that you want to hate the crime, but not the criminal. And for the longest time, us as a society, we've always hated the criminal, but that doesn't really get us anywhere. We need to understand early on what the problem is and then try and solve it. Anyways, I'm going off again on a bit of a tangent. I'm actually going to say, like, you know, yeah, before you continue, you should actually watch like this guy called Ocarlo when he speaks about, I guess, some of this stuff. It's not related to spirituality, but related to some of the stuff you're about to speak about. Is that like a lot of the people who are in prison, because he was talking about in inter- relation to release, but he's like, there's not that they're black, that they're going to be criminals, it's that they grew up in care. So if you look at the amount of people that are in prison yeah. that grew up in care, that's that's a way more, yeah, that's a way more. You know, so that's the thing. We need to give these kids more time. We need yeah. to make them feel loved as well. So we're kind of yeah. shooting ourselves on the foot as a society by not doing that. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. So there are a lot of lot of benefits to going to a place like this. You build a lot of resilience. You had a very positive mindset towards life. Um, so any challenges that I had, not any, but most challenges that I had later on, I had a positive mindset towards. And you meet all the people that you don't want to be like early on and then later in my life I met all the people that I do want to be like which comes as as a very good balance but on top of this I mostly hung out with only a few friends up to the end of year nine then we changed uh, buildings and things became a lot better but um, on top of this I also fell ill after coming back from India in year eight. I still don't know what it was, but for six or seven months, I was just, you know, going to hospital, visit after visit. I was falling behind academically. I wasn't able to do sports for like almost a year. So, I mean, there's a lot going on, right? So many storms happening in my life. But I remember for the longest time that even though I had so much going on, I was always very happy, right? So I used to go home and I just had a smile on my face. I asked myself that question. I'm like, there was so much going on for a, for a young kid. That's that's a lot. But why were you always so happy? And then I went to a talk uh, last year by a person. It was in Casey's talk <laughs> and it was emotional intelligence. It was about self-love and it was by someone called Nitya Kirtan Das. And he was my mentor for a very short period of time. But he's an incredible, incredible person. He's a life coach and therapist now. I do want to give him a shout out as well. But it was about self-love. And then something clicked and it's like, hey, it was self-love that helped me through this time because I had so much of it. And why I had so much of it, a part of it was because my parents instilled a lot of self-love into me as as a kid and my brother and my whole extended family to a certain degree. So, um, for example, even now, when I go to work, my mom's like, Mohi, you should be proud that you can get up at 6.30, do a whole day and then come back home. I'm like, everyone does that. People wake up at like five, people come back home after 12 hours, but who cares if everyone does it, you know, because it's because you do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what you should be grateful for and happy that you can put in that work. And on top of this, I, I remember I used to say this one line to myself every single day when I was at school, and that was, Mohit, you are the best. Mohit, you are the best. 
Uh, it sounds a bit cringy right now, <laughs> saying it. But um, later on in my life, I found out there's something called affirmations. And affirmations are based on the idea that everything that you say to yourself is a sort of self-talk. And you should have it as, as positive as, as possible, even the music you listen to to a certain degree. So I was giving this self-talk to myself throughout school, and that really helped me develop my, my self-love. And it's, I believe, becoming a more and more important life skill to have as a society because we forget about it so much now. And, and there's so much going on, so many companies that want you to feel insecure about yourself. And in a world that kind of wants us to hate us, it's the daring thing to do to, to love ourselves, right? Yeah. No, I, I can definitely like, I can remember loads of times where I've been in a situation and I've, uh-huh. I've said to myself, okay, Aaron, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I get, I definitely get that like kind of positive, like yeah. kind of talking. It's to like yourself. that self belief and push. I was gonna quickly ask you before I come back to that point as well. Uh-huh. Um, you, you know, this is linking back to the previous topic mixed with this one. So the spirituality yeah. one is that when you surround yourself with people, uh-huh. so like obviously you didn't have a choice with a lot of the people you're surrounded with. But I'm not gonna say yeah. it dragged you. Did did it drag you down? But did it like did they not drag you towards or levitate you towards? that lifestyle or whatever went on in their lives afterwards or like how did you stay distinct from it because obviously the people around us shape so as i said i for the most part stayed only with a couple of friends that were really good guys and whenever i couldn't i i also stayed by by myself quite a bit and i don't know why i had this this wisdom back then that um i only wanted to surround myself around people that are uh, that uplift me but um but that's that's basically what I did but no it does I do understand it. it does become difficult even now in my life when when I'm around people that are are not not the best and not as inspired and as uplifting it is a, a difficult situation to be in yeah I, I feel like it was hey you were basically saying like how do you not end up in prison yeah I'm saying like, obviously like when you grow up in those kind of schools yeah, like you have to understand that it's very easy to get levitated and get dragged into the wrong friend group 100%. once and then because as a kid you kind of like it's easy to kind of shape your mind and get lost, brainwashed, blah, blah, blah. So that does obviously shape a lot of the way you think and a lot of the things you do. So like, yeah, I'm just going to quickly tangent really quickly. So like for, yeah. in my case, like obviously I was like, I don't want to be like these pricks here. But whilst there was a positive attitude to get me to where I was, like I didn't want to be like them. I wanted to be the best at what I do. And yeah, and like I wanted to just be the best. And yeah, like that, in that sense, it was good. But there was a lot of negatives that was came from it because it came out of like, you could say anger, hatred, desperation. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, so like it, in those environments, it's like not simple, and it's I'd say it's more damaging than it's like thing. But like obviously, then good good things can come if you if you have the if you find that patience and you work for it, like you can get there. But obviously, that self love thing is quite mm. quite interesting to hear because I couldn't mm. I couldn't have imagined that saying like you know like I could imagine myself telling me now nah, I'm the best I'm gonna fucking do it yeah, but yeah. I couldn't like imagine myself like in the terms of like I guess maybe referencing as self love. Mm. back in like for example yeah yeah but it is basically self-love i do see what you're saying but yeah even going to college like i didn't have the highest self-confidence and i struggled with with self-confidence but because i had so much self-love i used to really push myself out there and then developing self-confidence wasn't as major of a challenge so it helps with with every every aspect of your life yeah I, I, I agree like self-love is like really important but like is there like a point where it's like because you also hear a lot like oh this person loves himself so much I know that's, I that's know. like a negative thing they <laughs> say that in a negative way it's like where's where's that point ego right um if if, if it's too much then it becomes ego at that point I feel like 
you're not loving yourself, but you're more so um, loving this ego or this fantasy that you have. So that's the line that you want to you wanna find out that when am I being, when am I starting to show an ego about something and um, being obnoxious to other people or thinking people are below me? Because at that point, then it becomes more of a, more of an ego thing as opposed to self-love. Yeah, so I remember like a while back, yeah, like someone was asking like, how does, how do the likes of like Chunks and Mayo Drama have the energy that they do? They wake up at like 6am and they love, like they're in this absolutely like loving and, you know, energetic mood, yeah. And Chunks yeah. was like, yeah, like basically if you, if you find what you love to do, like if, and you love what you're doing as your job and whatnot, then finding that energy is like, it just comes naturally because you love doing what you're doing. So you're always yeah. going to be gassed, energized and so on for it, which is why people like herself can obviously come through with that energy and you know i was like yeah you know what yeah i can see that i can see that so how, how would you say like is the best say say there's someone listening who doesn't really if you ask them like do you love yourself they'd be like no what's kind of what would you kind of advise so again i'm going back to this talk um emotional intelligence by nitya kirtan das he pointed out four things that we could do and it's um the spam acronym that we have to remember so the spam acronym entails number one you'd stop criticizing yourself so a lot of people think that if i criticize myself i'm going to get to my goals quicker but that's not the case it doesn't work like that um, if you criticize yourself it's actually going to be harder to reach your goals mm. number two uh pat yourself on the back every time you do something well <laughs> uh number three affirmations so you want to say an affirmation like i love myself unconditionally and you want to say it uh, I don't know, for 10 minutes or five minutes every single day, because then the self-talk will start to help you love yourself from your subconscious mind because you're saying it so often. And number four, every time you look in the mirror, big yourself up. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Is all the time. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I, I do do the like Pam side of that spam. Okay. I did the last three, I, I think, or like I have. But the, the first one as yeah. well, I do criticize myself like as well i know um this is the question that i asked when you criticize yourself yeah, don't I, don't, you find I, don't, it I don't see it as a no, bad of course. thing when i criticize myself, but but this what i mean by criticize yourself is bad self-talk it's okay to sometimes summarize that hey you know you could improve here or you could improve here but um for example when when a, a baby starts to walk yeah. um you don't every time it falls down you don't shout at the baby but you <laughs> kind of clap it on right hey get up get up you could do it it's, it's it's similar to that okay so it's like criticizing but like hiding it as encouragement almost like yeah exactly it. exactly and having that bad self-talk of, oh my god Mohi, you're useless you can't even do this that's that's where it becomes toxic for your self-love yeah no i get i get that when when i'm watching like the football i don't i'm not run to like <laughs> i see myself as less of a criticizer but more of a uh if someone, misses, yeah. if someone misses a chance, I'll be like, no, nah, it's okay. You'll you get another one. Do you know what I mean? And this is a continuous process, to be honest. It's something that I, I struggle with as well every now and then. So it's, it's, it's something that you have to do every single day yeah. <laughs> for the rest of your lives, right? Yeah, no, I get that. So wait, so like at uni was the time, I'll say like, you open your mind to a lot of the stuff. So like at a young yeah. age, it's quite incredible that you were at least thinking in this way. And obviously you may not have known fully, but benefited you in a big way. I'm very lucky. Yeah. But yeah, Warwick University, to be honest, it had its own own set of challenges. I was I was very lucky that I didn't get involved in any of it, any of the drama. Wait, is this but, Hindu soft drama? Uh, no, no, no. Uh. This is not Hindu soft drama. I don't think there was much drama in Hindu soft. Was there? 
I didn't go ahead. I only went for prayers and I left off. So like, I'm going to tell you. Hey, Hamish prefers not to speak. <laughs> what? Don't tell you. Don't drag me to this. But yeah, no, because it's not anything wrong with Warwick University. Actually, there are a few things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's more so to do with top universities and every university to a certain degree. But especially top universities where there's this over competitiveness. And when there's over competitiveness, it can lead to a toxic environment. So like, for example, me and you and Hamish were talking about school. In school, like when someone would say something, they would say it to your face. But here, yeah, yeah. someone would stab you behind your back. And that's a lot worse. <laughs> I feel so that, you do I feel have that. to be careful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bad, bad. Is that why you started wrestling? Jay, get him back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wrestling, wrestling. I'd done it for a, a short while before, obviously, lockdown, everything happened. And unfortunately, in wrestling, you can't keep a two-meter gap between each other. So I was able to. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't started it. I'm going to hopefully start at the end of uh, next month again. That's my thing. I say, Aaron, that's also the best transition you've ever done. Well done, mate. No, no, no. But yeah, so like wrestling, when you, when you say wrestling, I always think of the fake wrestling. No, 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 no WWE. Okay. No, no, no. Actually, I would want to be like the next Shawn Michaels or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It'd be quite cool. Uh, <laughs> but no, no, no. Uh, not that. Uh, it's freestyle wrestling. So do either of you watch the UFC? I'll maybe watch highlights here and there. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, watch it yeah. when it's like, you know, like a really bigged up like fight or something. Yeah. yeah watch. Wrestling as a combat sport, it's become more and more, or wrestlers that come to UFC, they start to dominate very easily. And this is one kind of reason I started it. It's it gives you a very strong foundation into combat sports. So when I was a lot younger, I did do a bit of quite taekwondo for, for four or five years. Then I went and did a kickboxing for a very short while. And now I've 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 done wrestling as a kind of uh, a, a way into other combat sports like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And, you know, I, I, when I was young, I used to watch Jackie Jan movies and Bruce Lee movies. I'm sure you guys to a certain degree felt the same way, but it's so motivated. And you're like, oh my God, I want to learn. I want to learn. So yeah, that's what kind of led me to do wrestling. It's a base. It's a foundation to other combat sports. Are you planning to become a UFC fighter? No, no, no. I'm, I'm oh, not glad. Okay. <laughs> I just do it because it's it's a lot of fun. You meet amazing people. You know, the thing is, right, in, in combat sports, it's, it's a very... It's very strange, but you meet the kindest, kindest people. Like they can break your hand in like twenty different ways, but you meet like the kindest people. But they'll, they'll shake your hand after. Well, maybe if you break it, yeah. not. But yeah, <laughs> yeah good, good fight, good fight. Yeah. Reason why I don't like try and watch a lot of those fights live is because the adrenaline rush that it can get going, it's not good. It's not good. What you were like watching fight and be like, oh yeah, whatever. No, no, like, because, you know, like, you also get into it, like, too much. And I'm just like, nah, you know what? I don't need to feel that adrenaline right now. Leave it be. I watch the highlights afterwards. Sometimes I just watch it. I'm like, why? Like, why? Why are you just punching this guy's head? Do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) (laughs) no, but that's cool. How much do you think your diet helps you or maybe doesn't help you? (laughs) Um, So I am a vegan. I've been a, a vegan for... I, I, I'd done it after university. I'd done a very slow transition after university. It took me like a year and a half where I was drinking one liter of milk, then 0.8, 0.6, 0.4. What were you before? Were you vegetarian or just? I was a vegetarian, yes. Yeah. So I've been a vegetarian my whole life. And this is the kind of advice that I, I have for people that might want to make the lifestyle change into, into veganism that you don't have to do it overnight and it's not an all or nothing approach because it is a lifestyle change at the end of the day. And the last thing we want as a vegan community is, is for someone to become protein deficient or something and then complain on the thread on Facebook about how it ruined their lives, right? If you do it smart, if you do your research, then it's going to be incredible. 
for me, I, I feel like I've been bulking for a very, very long time. And I've always done a very clean bulk. Like I made sure I did my cardio, not to overeat, not to eat too much fat. But um, recently, since the I, I've been properly vegan, I think for seven months. And I think it's really helped me put on a lot of muscle very quickly. And going into my training sessions as well, I always feel more energetic. I feel like I have more stamina. So it has it has had a lot of positives for my physical side. Are there any benefits to like not just your physical body? Like I've heard people say like even it helps them like mentally. 100%. So you know how I was telling you earlier that our nature as humans is to love and to be loved. And when animals are killed, you know, it's not it's not compassionate, right? So when it comes to, I think it's a very strong connect, connection, I feel, but it's a, it's a very hard connection to make. But when you become when you become vegan, you're doing good things for the environment. As a result, your mind would naturally be able to be more clear of all the suffering that's happening or be more clear of the suffering that's happening. Yeah, I, I don't really think of it from that, from like a mental point of view. But yeah, that's. But in terms of yeah, your physical health, like uh, things like bloating, things like so, I used to I used to get bloated a lot on a vegetarian diet. I just drink so much milk all the time, and that stops happening straight away. Not straight away, to be honest. Um, it did take a bit of while because on a vegan diet, you generally have a lot of fiber, and you have to become more fiber tolerant. And once you do become more fiber tolerant, um, it's it's incredible, incredible for your body. Yeah, I was gonna say like one of the ways you can slowly do it is like just try to find more vegan food places and try the vegan options a bit more as well so you know you have other options because obviously you're going to always I guess meat is may like always go for the chicken option or so on whereas like I quite like finding vegetables vegan options just mm. because like I feel like they taste nice it's just like one of those things in society where it's just been given that yeah. mask of like you know like how do I say it? like it's given that mask mm. where it's a shit thing to do but I always say like no like I'm not vegan yet but I mean, I would want to be vegan, but I just know that's not going to happen, especially yeah. living at home. But like, I always want those vegan choices outside because, yeah, yeah like it's nice. Yeah. And I, yeah. If people say like it's shit, yeah, because all like don't force the vegan on that. Yeah. Whatever. Like go do what you want. Yeah. But <laughs> like the like, vegan food is actually just really nice. I just think it's like kind of brushed over too much yeah. like because people are under the impression like as you said like there's kind of myths so I, I did want to bring up the post that you shared this morning, actually. And it's top five vegan myths debunked. Vivo life, did you say? V-I-V-O, however you... Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about like music video thing. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm not going to read the entire thing. I'll, you, well, I'll just link the post because I actually can't be bothered <laughs> reading out all of this. <laughs> so the, the first one is like vegans don't get enough protein and it's like essentially that's kind of wrong because yeah. there's a lot of um, whole food vegan diet that will provide plenty of protein mm -hmm. and some examples include two teaspoons of peanut butter, half yeah. a cup of oats, uh, two teaspoons of hemp seeds, whatever that is. Yeah, and one cup of soy milk that's a very basic example Yeah, and people think that myth number two is plant protein is inferior to animal protein yeah so and there's different type of proteins right and they're saying that you can't get all the sorts of protein in a in a non-vegan diet but that's not the case what are some plant proteins plant-based proteins um so it's it's the amino acids that's that's uh, composed of proteins and they're saying that specific amino acids are not included in a vegan diet but that's not the case because at the end of the day those animals eat that grass and then we eat those animals so we in that sense get the same same protein from plant protein as as well as eating meat and myth number three is vegans rely on supplements to stay healthy and this is apparently <laughs> bullshit as well because it says vitamin b12 and d3 and omega-3 uh -huh. it, gives, it gives a few points like you know omega-3 the only reason fish has so much of this is because they eat algae I think that's how you pronounce it, right? Algae, algae, how you want to pronounce it. Yeah. Like vitamin B12 isn't actually, I guess, 
the bacteria found in soil due to modern farming methods. We no longer get this in our foods. Yeah. So B12 on animal product um, because they are given a supplement. There's too many vitamins out there, man. There's so many names. <laughs> I, get, I get confused, Mike. Oh, yeah. Vitamin D3 is just basically if you don't get enough sunlight. It's basically the short <laughs> version of it. So that one. Yeah. Mythbusted there as well. Also, this post will be linked in the description if you want to read through it fully. We're obviously just doing the short version. Myth number four is following a vegan diet is too expensive. And this is bullshit because vegans don't only... Is that bullshit? I mean, well, it basically says vegans don't only eat expensive processed fake meats or dine out in gourmet vegan restaurants. You know, fake meats are very expensive, but obviously I don't, I don't yeah. eat any fake meats. So. Oh, that's what they mean. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Most eat whole foods that are significantly cheaper than meat products, and they give like a list of like prices for like certain whole foods. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I would say like vegan food when you order out isn't expensive, but like vegan milk is, I'd say, quite expensive. You gotta wait for the sale. You gotta wait yeah. for the sale. And sale, I think they're like one pound or one pound fifty. Yeah. Um, it's also quite tough because recently Hamish hey, shops at Waitrose, so yeah. It's <laughs> Now I have to like basically buy the cold version, not the long life version. Like I, before I used to buy the long life version and it's yeah. very hard to get after COVID. Basically, they no longer kind of do massive shipments of it. But basically in January, uh-huh. I, remember I, I ordered like when it was one pound, I ordered like 40 or something. Oh, wow. Wait, um, what? So 40. Plant-based milk. So like cashew milk, but that what the, didn't need to be in the fridge. So like I just had a sports yeah. direct bag in the Does room. Does it still go out of, It has like an expired date. So the ones I had, like they went out of date in October but obviously I finished them by then you know I don't like cashew milk too much I think cashew milk's the best one I've had out of them <laughs> the only time I've had anything maybe remotely close is one of the American almond milks when I was in San Francisco but nothing yeah. comes close to almond I mean to cashew milk for me I don't I don't know why I feel like it's because maybe the slightly thicker more like milk maybe it tastes maybe. better but obviously if you don't like yeah. it fair enough wait what do you like almond milk if you say UK almond milk then you're on crud no, no, I, I generally have oat milk because oat oh, milk oh. has the most number of calories. So I have oat milk. I see. I see. Like, I, I've heard things about oat milk, but I feel like the, my experience with oat milk have been bad so far. So it's quite worth trying again. <laughs> so I, I overkill. I put oats and then I grind it with oat milk. So okay, fair double, enough. double oats. Proper overkill, yeah. <laughs> the next one, the myth number five and the final one here is vegans are weak and lacking in energy. And it says more and more of the top athletes in the world are embracing a vegan diet to help them perform at their best. So uh, just the four examples they gave is Lewis Hamilton, one of the most successful Formula One drivers in history. Serena Williams, maybe or maybe adopted it recently, one of the two. Serena Williams, who has won 23 Grand Slam tennis single titles. Uh, Morgan Mitchell, an Australian Olympic 400 meter and 800 meter sprinter. And there's Kendrick Barris, double American American weightlifter. Have you watched the documentary Game Changers on Netflix? No, no, no. Aaron most likely would have. I highly uh, recommend that. Yeah. It's basically about how it's debunking all of these, um, similar to We Were Life, um, all of these myths about veganism. And it's also going into how you can be an athlete with a vegan diet. And it is backed up by so much science. There's so much science behind it. I'm, I'm not seeing a documentary that refers to so many studies. So it's definitely a must watch. Yeah, that's mad. You said Lewis Hamilton, Serena Williams, like Lewis Hamilton, probably going to become the most successful Formula One driver of all time. And then Serena Williams, who yeah. is, I think, is actually the most successful like tennis player, not even just female, just like most successful tennis oh, player of all time. Can't believe they didn't mention Chris uh, Smaldini, but we move. But yeah, what, what would you say is like, so I've, you kind of mentioned it, like, would you just say like phasing into it is the best way to get into that kind of yeah. lifestyle? I would say, yeah, do it slowly. Do Make sure you do your research. It doesn't have to be as long as I took, but 
make sure you do your research in terms of the tools that are out there to help you. There's something called Daily Dozen. And these are 12 things that we need to try and include in our diet. It includes fruit, vegetable requirements, water, sleep, all of that, all of that good stuff. So to structure it on something like this would be quite helpful. Also, there's something called chronometer, right? And Aaron, you mentioned earlier that you are so overwhelmed by the number of vitamins and minerals, all of that, that you have to have in a day for a healthy, well-rounded diet, right? So what chronometer is, is that you could put the, all the foods that you have in a day inside and it gives you a breakdown of all the protein, fats, carbs, as well as the type of uh, protein, carbs and fats, as well as the minerals and the vitamins and how much you need. So from that, you could use that to make sure that uh, you have your correct calorie intake. Uh, if you're bulking or if you want to put a muscle, then you'd go over. If you want to cut, then you go under the calorie maintenance. But that's a, that's a whole different whole different thing. But uh, yeah, chronometer is, is a very good tool to structure the rest of your diet. In terms of the challenges that I faced on a vegan diet, so number one is protein. So obviously, Hamish, we just talked about this right now. If you have, uh, if you just try and have a protein source with every meal that you have, you should be okay. If you need more protein, then you could get something like uh, a vegan protein powder, bulk powders, vanilla flavor. That's the one I recommend. Number two, it's obviously you mentioned vitamin D as well. You can get that from sunlight, but us living in the yeah. UK, we're <laughs> barely getting any sunlight. Plus, on a vegan or vegetarian diet, you can't get as much anyways. So supplement it. Vitamin B12, again, you can't get much of that on a, on a vegan diet. Supplement it. Uh, it's water-soluble as well. So if you have too much, I don't think it's a problem. But don't take my word for that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a doctor or a nutritionist or anything. <laughs> and number four, it's fiber. When you first become vegan, you're going to be getting so much fiber. And that can lead you bloated. That can lead you waking up at night and not feeling too well. So just be aware and mindful of how much fiber you're having in a day. Don't have too much and you should be, you should be fine. And slowly your body will start to adapt to the, the new high levels of fiber that you, that you are having. But that's, that's about it. That's all my advice. I was going to say, although I'm not vegan, like I transitioned to milk like overnight. Like I just switched to vegan milk and it was, it, I wasn't say, it just yeah. takes, you just have to find what you like, but you're, exactly. or you could do it as Mohit said, like you could do it in phases, but. For me personally, I don't understand how you did it in phases. Like, did you drink milk multiple times in a day or something? Like, how did you? No. So, as I said, I had almost a liter of milk every single day, and uh, I didn't. I didn't do it overnight because I, I, I couldn't find the motivation to do it overnight. Like, how was I going to cut out cheese, yogurt, all that stuff, and just to cut everything out overnight was just impossible. Whey protein, vegan protein powder tastes terrible until you actually find the kind of vegan protein powder that you like. And that's why I've done it over time, because slowly I started getting used to plant-based milk. Slowly I started getting used to plant-based yogurt. And I guess it was to a certain degree more of a motivation thing than a research thing for me. Like one thing I found was that when I was like testing vegan foods and cooking it myself, like finding the right brand of tofu for yourself, like like some people, like the one I prefer, the one that's a bit more Uh firm, it does have a, the texture is a bit more off, but like when it's after it's cooked and everything, it's way better than all the other tofus that I've at least had brand wise. Yeah. So like, I'll leave a link in the description. I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but yeah, like I know like my friend who was doing like uh, a veg, he was doing a veg, um, like, you know, veg gym diet whilst he was here. So he was a previous guest, Krishan. Mm-hmm. And he would basically, when he switched to the tofu one, he said he was loving the tofu, but he didn't like yeah. the one that I used, the texture, for example. But like it was a better tofu and it tasted mm-hmm. better and so on. Yeah, but yeah, like it's also dependent. Like you, you just have to find the things yeah. that you, that's uh, I guess suited to you. Yeah. Have you but, found any benefits, by the way, of having more uh, plant-based food 
as opposed to dairy. Yeah. I mean, like, like for me personally, like I, I was obviously trying to figure out obviously uh, any issues with stomach and so on. So like, I was just like, yeah. for me, when, I just feel like in the morning, like I feel like milk is always like, as you say, like it's one of those bloated and heavy things here. Mm-hmm. But with like cashew milk or an alternative milk here, like I, I think, yeah, cashew milk at least lets you have the kind of like the creaminess and the taste of it. But it does taste better, as I said. But the other ones are more lightweight. Like, what benefits? I can't think of like negative things. Well, if anything, like I feel like it's just been better. Like in general, like I don't remember the last time I actually had a normal like cup of milk. So, because that would have been like early uni, and I don't, I don't remember when exactly that transition happened. So, I don't know. Like the only thing I'll say is like, I still obviously have ice cream like here and there, like in summer, because you know. But like I have had vegan ice cream, I'm just waiting to find the vegan ice cream that I like, so I can completely use that one every time I mm. buy ice cream. They don't have it in Waitrose, <laughs> but they don't have a Waitrose in my area. I'm not rich, you like they probably have Waitrose <laughs> like you. What are you on about? Wait, Hamish, where are you from? I'm near Stonebridge slash Wembley. Okay, okay, yeah. So there's trust me, there's definitely not no Waitrose here. And what about you, Aaron? Uh, I'm from um, London. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just said. The thing is, like when I say transition to like milk i haven't obviously i'm not vegan but like yeah i just have certain things that i know i prefer vegan food over thing anyway so like when in the inevitable time in the future i'm living out and so on properly i would want to be ideally just making vegan food and so on it's just mm. that right now the inconvenience that would cause to the household for me to live this lifestyle <laughs> is too much but yeah like i pretty much stay veg when i can what is like other things I, i'd say like you know what? Yeah, like the alternative, like not like meat substitute, but like corn and like tofu and stuff. And like this, um, what was the other one? I forgot the other one. I think it's called Satan. Like these things are really yeah. nice. It's just like underrated. Like I feel like, or it's just brushed over because no one, no one wants. I to do actually that. haven't uh, tasted Satan yet, and tempeh as well, right? That's I haven't. I don't one. think I've had that one. What you said, but yeah, I would Does definitely it taste similar to tofu. Satan, I think. It tastes more like the what it's meant to taste like. Obviously, I haven't had certain foods that Satan is meant to mimic, but from the smell, like you could also tell that it smells the same kind of. But like, okay. I'd say it's quite nice. I think we had it when Tam came on and brought us during the episode when we used to do in person recordings. She brought us food from Temple of Satan, and that food yeah. was lit. Like I was, I was doubting like having it, and then I was like, oh shit, I love this place. We need to actually go and eat there. You know, when when she first said Temple of Satan. I, I didn't realize Satan was like a vegan thing. I thought it was talking about Satan as in the devil. No, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. <laughs> then I found out afterwards as well. I was like, rah. But that but it is lit. I'd say like, if you can find places that do decent tofu that you may like, then definitely like it. So like, obviously, my one of my famous examples I like to talk about is the banana tree vegan, the Malaysian vegan tofu. I can't pronounce the full thing, but it's like Malaysian something something vegan tofu satay. Yeah. I definitely recommend it. I think you could the Nando's imitator wrap or whatever. Now you can also get in the vegan option for it, the vegan version of it. What I do right now is I've been ordering so both a chicken wrap and imitator wrap, and then yeah. I cut, cut them both in half and have half of each of lunch because I can't decide between the two. Uh-huh. Like I'm about to get to imitator. I mean, just the imitator wrap now at this point. But basically, I'd have half of each, and then for dinner, I'd have the other half of it <laughs> because I that way I don't have to be indecisive. I can just have both, and that's my lunch and my dinner sorted in one go. <laughs> <laughs> Big money moves there. Uh, just get one of each. Are you helping the vegan community by doing that as well? You know. <laughs> yeah, I think the imitator wrap is better than all of the other veg options slash yeah. vegan options at Anandos right now. So, yeah, and I used to. I think the best option previously I thought was the super green after they removed the original veggie wrap back in the day. So yeah, like the imitator wrap, I would say give it a try. Quite nice. I'm not sure if it's properly vegan. I think you may have to minus 
the sources and that come with it or something. I don't know. <laughs> double check. Double check. Don't, don't quote me exactly on it. Yeah. Also, we end it all off with like some final questions, a call out and a shout out. So you start with the final questions. And first one is one thing you would wish to change in the world. Um, we generally live life very reactive. My my thing would be we need to live more proactively. So, for example, uh, when someone contracts an illness, they finally start taking care of themselves. But if they took care of themselves from the very start, then they'll be in a better position. So there's this massive culture going around right now where it's like, you know, you want to fail to to live life. You you need to be heartbroken to really understand what love is. You need to be at a very low point to finally be happy. And, you know, that is a very, uh, that is a way to do it, but that's not the only way to do it. And it's not the most effective way to do it. So it's it's to learn from other people's mistakes. There's a very famous quote. I forgot the person that said it, but it goes, the fool never learns. The smart man learns from his own mistake and the wise man learns from the mistake of others. So start learning from the mistake of others. Life is too short to, to make so many mistakes. Mm-hmm. Wise, wise, yeah. wise man. <laughs> I'm interested to hear. And the next question is, what is the happiest moment of your life so far? Sitting here right now with you guys. Oh, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I'm not even going to ask you for a serious answer because I'm taking that serious. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, third question is what has been your most memorable third wheeling experience so this one doesn't count right no no this one doesn't count probably as a kid when I was five or six years old I forgot exactly what age I was but um, my brother is nine years older than me and my cousin is six years older than me so they always used to have so much banter they used to go to all these places without me so it's probably at a time that I told my mum off and they she had a go at them to take me with them as well um, and they had to, I think, take me to a mall in Milton Keynes or something. So that's that's probably it. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. And the next section is a call out slash nomination. So you can nominate one or many people to hopefully be a guest in the future on the third wheel. Okay. I want to nominate two people. Number one, Adiksha Agrawal, who went to Warwick University with us. She's a close friend of mine. And she came to the UK from Dubai when she was 17. So I'm sure she has so many amazing stories. Um, the second person, is Harsh Gataria. And Harsh Gataria was the president of the KC Sock when I was at Warwick. Um, and now he's the president of the KC Sock uh, National Students. I don't know, he's president of something in KC Sock right now. <laughs> but uh, if you want to expand on the topics um, that we talked about today, maybe on the science of, of spirituality, I'm sure he has so much, so much interesting things to talk about. Did this guy do computer science? Yes, he did. That's the one. Wait, what's his first name? <laughs> I'm just going to quickly stalk him. Harsh. Harsh Kataria. One of the years below us, Aaron. That's what it is. Cool. Last bits now is a shout out. So anything, basically anything you want to plug, anything you want to give a shout out, we'll put the links to it in the description. So floor yeah, shields. Sure. Just my Instagram. Follow my Instagram. Gave it to 2K followers. Yeah, that's mad. You got a, got a bit of a following going on there. <laughs> and if you follow us listening, go follow us as well. I'm yeah. going to shout out... So I told these guys I'd give them a shout out, the Silicon Valley Interns podcast. So for those who don't know, you probably do know because I've mentioned it about a hundred times, but I, I worked in San Francisco for a year after I graduated and that was a part of the uh, Silicon Valley internship program. So two guys from that program actually started a podcast recently. Um, I'll put the link in the description and the first episode is with the founder of the program that I was on. So go give that a listen and hopefully they'll be on the both of those guys will be on the podcast as well on our podcast soon so yeah shout out to them Hamish and yeah then obviously I'm going to shout out my normal songs 
playlist. Some I've added a few in there, such as Back to Back by RV and Heady One, Intro by Dappy. He released a new one. And there was also another one. One second. Oh, yeah, there was um, Shaka, One for the Road. And yeah, that's it for me. Thank you for listening, everyone. Hope you had a good time. Cheers for coming on, Mohit. And you've been an amazing guest. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, no, good meeting you as well. Yeah, you too. Yeah, sweet. And on that note, everyone, have a good day. See you in a bit. Bye. Bye. Turn around in the mist, cause you might see something but fog. And allow all the tricks, girl. I can see nothing but love. You hit and you miss. Girl, what's up? You spot and you red. I'ma call you Ladybug. Turn around in the mist, cause you might see something but fog. And allow all the tricks, girl. I can see nothing but love.